Welcome to the Word and Story podcast for the lectionary text for January 27th, 2019. Uh, the gospel text today is Luke 4, verses 14 to 21. And uh, so what I want to do today is um, read those, and then we can talk about uh, a few things in relation to structure and identity and what all of this means. So, here we go. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the, of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So here we have really one of the first um, expressions of synagogue worship in the New Testament. And it is with the story of Jesus. And so Jesus, having been baptized uh, earlier in Luke, in chapter 3, the Spirit came down upon him in the form of a dove at the end of Luke chapter 3. God said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. At the end of chapter 3, Jesus coming in this same power, uh, in this same spirit, following his temptation in Luke 4, beginning of Luke 4, filled again with the spirit. And so we see this movement of the spirit in Jesus's life, this evidence of the spirit in Jesus's life. And we see um, that the the Spirit is driving him and moving him into um, places and into a mission. And so we come to this text, and um, this is this is a focal point of Jesus's ministry. In in my view, this is how Jesus defined himself. At least in Luke, this is how Jesus defined himself. Uh, this this particular text and and some might say that out of this text uh, in chapter five from chapter five on we see Jesus executing on this text so he he has been empowered by the spirit his brother from the same mother brother from the same God he from that that triune spirit that he's a part of. So he, that, that spirit has come down to him, has appeared to him, has been revealed 
to be in him and on him and through him. And he is out uh, now in this text sharing what his purpose and what his mission is going to be. And then potentially in chapter five and on, he begins to execute on that. And so whatever we take this scripture to be, whatever we take to be the heart of the gospel, which is what I think this is, this is the heart of the gospel. Whatever we take to be that heart of the gospel, it will be uh, the, the central shaping force in our own life of faith. So if you believe the heart of the gospel is truth, then the shaping force in your life will be the uncovering of truth. If you believe it is service, you will spend your life serving. However you deem, whatever you deem to be the heart of the gospel will shape you and form you and you will center your life around it. And that's why we see so many this is one reason I think we see so many denominations is because you have you have the Pentecostal movement, their focus, the heart of the gospel for them is the coming of the Spirit. It, it's that, that acts expression, and that's how they live and focus their life. And, and some that are centered around the gospel movement, it's about truth. It is about knowledge and it is about the accuracy accuracy of that truth and that knowledge for those who see um, the heart of the gospel as as relationship you will see them out and expressive of that relationship seeking and searching for that relationship and living it that way. If this text is the heart of the gospel, then we will be shaped by it and we will execute on it. If we're going to study and interpret and follow the gospel, we, we have to measure, this is important now, despite what we focus on, despite what we sense is the heart of the gospel, if we are going to study and interpret and, fo and follow the gospel, we have to keep coming back to this text time and time again to see how we are measuring up as a body of Christ, as a church, and as a person. And so when we look at this text, we are looking, again, as I say, it's the heart of the gospel, but it is the defining moment of Jesus' mission. This is the Spirit expressing through Jesus the mission of the Trinity, and specifically the mission of Jesus. 
Now, again, this is a synagogue event. This is part of what they did. And so Jesus comes to Galilee, empowered by the Spirit, and he begins to teach in their synagogues. And he was praised by everyone. And so he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. And he was, and he stood up to read. Uh, and so he was, he was given a text. He was given the scroll um, from Isaiah, and um, and in doing that, he was given the opportunity, and he was asked to read from it and then do an explanation for it. And so uh, he's given the uh, the uh, scroll of Isaiah, uh, and he opens it, he unrolls it, and he unrolls it to uh, Isaiah 61, and he reads. And, and this is a mashup. What we have here... In, in the reading uh, that Jesus gives us is a mashup of Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 and Isaiah 58. And, but there's, there is some things left out. And so when we read this, we read this aspect of the, of, of Jesus's, uh, when we, when we read it on our side, um, there are some, some things that, that structurally give us insight into what what's going on here. And I want to I want to point out three of them. And we don't see it so much in the English version of the text. Um, but as I read it, I tried to emphasize it. Um, the first three lines, when when it's broken out structurally, the first three lines all end with me. The spirit has. Filled me with power, Jesus says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me. He has sent me. And so this is the aspect of the Spirit pushing or expressing um, the, the overarching mission of Jesus. The Spirit has, is on me. He has anointed me. He has sent me. This is Jesus's purpose and this is Jesus's movement. And you know, and it and it one of the things that I, I have wondered um through much of my life is why did it take Jesus thirty years to to hop on the, the spirit train? Why did it take Jesus uh why did it take so long for this to happen? And you know other scriptures say at just the right time Jesus came. And um. Uh, I was as I was studying through this and kind of reading through this. Um. Someone noted that the Holy Spirit comes when we have something to do and a time to do it. When there is a what and a when. And Jesus, it was it was. Now we have the what, and we also have the when, and the time is now. And following Jesus in this means that we accept his mission, his what, and his when. 
and his timing. And so it's all about that. It's all about his timing. And Jesus shows up. The Spirit comes down. He reads this message. He reads this aspect of of his anointing and his calling and his mission. And it's, it's time. It's his time, and it's what he's supposed to do. So the spirit is, uh, so you have this structural thing where me is at the end of every one of these phrases, every one of these sentences, and it's a, and it's, and it's a, an indication of really the what, the who, and the when, which is now. And then, and then after you get through those first three statements, the three subsequent statements, those phrases, they're parallel. And they are subordinate to Jesus's primary mission. So the primary mission, um, just to point that out, is to bring good news to the poor. And then we see everything else is is subordinate to that. It is it is an expression of it. We might we could say. And the other thing is, is that the word release, um, the New Revised has free, the New Living has free, that that's mentioned twice in this section. And so now let's talk about some of the elements of this text. So who are the poor? You know, we, we, can, we can talk about economic status. We can talk about um, all different things. The, the poor were, were, it was more than just economics. It was economics. It was uh, education. It was um, family status. It was land holdings. It was, there's so many elements that are reflective of what Middle Eastern Mediterranean area, uh, era area during the time of Jesus's uh, life, what that would have meant. And so basically poor, the poor would be anyone with some kind of diminished status. It's not defined merely in a subjective spiritual or personal or economic terms, but For those who are, for whatever reason, relegated to positions outside the boundaries of God's people, of God's, uh, what could be deemed God's chosen. And the religious leaders would have had a lot to say about who, in that day anyway, who were really doing the work of the Lord who were um, who were in the in, in club who were in the who were the insiders and so Jesus uh, refuses to recognize these and they're socially and religiously determined boundaries and so these outsiders these poor folks are objects of divine grace. 
And so basically Jesus is coming to someone, to anyone who is deemed outside the in club, whose status is not where they may like it to be. They, um, they, they have needs. They have um, more needs than just just financial, uh, maybe physical needs, spiritual needs. Anyone who who religious leader the religious leaders may have deemed unworthy. And then let's let's talk a little bit about the blind, because that is um, it's important to note as well. Blind people um, are are physically unhealthy. Um, and they don't they don't do well. They're sick. They need physical healing. They have not had a revelation from God as well. So it's both physical and metaphorical. The and so when when Jesus talks about the recovery of sight to the blind, the recovery of sight in Luke is is clearly uh, an issue of physical healing, but it's also a metaphor for receiving revelation and experiencing salvation and inclusion in God's family. And so in this, Jesus is... uh, when he talks about recovery of sight to the blind, he's talking about not just that physical aspect of healing, but but providing revelation and salvation and inclusion into the family of God. And then this word release, to proclaim the release, to proclaim re- release to the captives, to let the oppressed be released or go free. So in other places um, in the Luke-Acts narrative, um, it's translated forgiveness. So it, it implies the release or the forgiveness of sin. It's also um, set in opposition to the, to the power of Satan. Healing or release is not only physical in in parts of Luke and Acts, but it it signifies a wholeness, a freedom from both the social restrictions and the spiritual restrictions, the the diabolic restrictions, the Satan-enforced restrictions. But it also, and, and thirdly, I mean, there's, a, there's another aspect to this. It, it, it indicates a release from debt. And when we, when we read this and when we understand this, this is Jubilee language. The Old Testament um, practice of Jubilee where every so often things happen. There, there's the freeing of slaves, the canceling of debts, and the returning of all land to its original distribution under Moses. 
And so this is jubilee language, freedom, release. And so Jesus has come, the Spirit has, has, has come upon him. He has been anointed to bring good news to the poor. That is his mission. And we've seen who those poor folks are, those who are outside the boundaries of what is deemed good and nice and sweet and, and under the revelation and under the, the, um, the good folks uh, in God. Um, and, and so he was, he's come to, to bring good news to the poor, and, and he does that bro- by proclaiming release to the captives, Freedom from sin, freedom, forgiveness of sin, a wholeness of life, and a wholeness of um, spiritually and in, in, in so many ways, spiritually, um, financially, and, and then this idea of jubilee. So there's a canceling of debts, there's a restoration of ownership of land, no longer, no longer slaves. and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the scripture says, he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, and the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him, and then he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And in Luke Acts, um, fulfilled carries a variety of connotations, but Um, One of them is the the fulfillment of Scripture, and that's what he indicates. And so in doing this, uh, especially by using the word today, Jesus is indicating that today he is inaugurating the release, the recovery, and the jubilee. And it is a beautiful thing. And so when we when we look and see how well, how can I? How, I mean, that's this Jesus's mission. It's also an aspect of our mission because our mission is our life's mission is incorporated into His. And part of the part of what we are to do is to to do the same thing that He did to proclaim the release of the captives to bring revelation, to help people see Jesus and his power and his love and his grace. And to help them realize that their sins can be forgiven, that they can be free, they don't have to be slaves to that sin anymore, that their debts can be canceled, and that they can have life and have a life that is abundant. And that's, that's our role. That's what we do. And as we live out that role, as we, as we live out the mission of Jesus by doing this, and we come back and we evaluate, am I, am I helping people to, to find release? Am I helping people to see the revelation in the, of Jesus and to be included into his family Am I helping people to understand the freedom that they can have in Jesus as we evaluate ourselves by this?
then then it gives us a an idea of of how we are how deep we are in love and how active we are not in an ought to sense but in a I love Jesus so much even though sometimes I'm going to mess up and sometimes I'm not going to say the right words and sometimes I'm not going to do the right things I I love him and I'm I'm involved in doing this And that's the heart of the message of Jesus. That's the heart should be the heart of message of our church and the heart of message, the heart of the message of those of us who call ourselves Christ followers. And it's a beautiful expression of grace. Because all of these people, the people in his hearing, the people whom we would share to, all are subject to the divine grace of God. He wants them to experience it. And he wants us to express it. And when we do that, we, we can hear the sound of sandaled feet walking with us. And we can hear the whispers of Jesus saying, well done. And we can see the lives of people being freed and released so they can be abundantly lived. You think about that. Amen.